all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Cars and Comrades, where I, Brandon, he, him, is pretty fucking hammered. Yeah. Uh, too, too drunk to conjugate verbs correctly. No, I, now, for a fact, I'm actually pretty coherent. For now. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I'm going to be blind drunk, but I'm not going to know how I got into bed tomorrow. <laughs> That's the listener's problem, and you guys. For me, it's a normal Saturday. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm here, Bryant, and uh, Connor is here as well. Um, I think that was a pretty pretty good cold open. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I've been having a little bit of moonshine, and I, I believe uh, Connor's been having some malort. Uh, Yummy. But, uh, Wait, that wasn't a joke? You're actually drinking that dog shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've I'm almost done with one bottle and I've got two more in the apartment. I really gotta start I, I gotta start getting serious about enjoying that again. <laughs> okay. Well my fucking background right now is that I had Monday off because the fourth of July, like anybody gives a fuck, and I st- I had a day off and I still worked forty six hours this week, and capitalism can go fuck itself. And also in the time that I've been on this call, which is like 30 minutes, I've drank a lot of fucking 100 proof whiskey. So Ooh. let's fucking do this shit right now. Yeah. But right. Also, my Lord is dog shit and Connor's a bad person. Yep, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know when this uh, podcast, this episode will come out. So, you know, it might not be uh, right after July 4th that this comes out. But, you know, just, just imagine that in your mind that... Uh, you know, it's July, whatever, 10th. I don't know, whatever. Fuck. Yeah. It's Maybe we, yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about a couple different things. Um, or maybe we won't and we'll cut this up and it'll be, you know, edited into some other larger podcast. Uh, I don't fucking know. We'll figure it out whenever this gets published. Um, Everything is not knowable. We're just yes. waiting. Yes. There yeah. could be a, a giant asteroid that crashes into the Earth tomorrow. And none of you will hear this, uh, and that'll be your loss. Um, Boy, we really are abusive to our listeners, aren't we? <laughs> this is, this I, is our intro. I, Fuck. In all fairness, I have never been reserved about my disdain for anyone that listens to me speak. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> wait, does that include us? Yeah, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> no, 100% you guys are assholes. God damn it. But even more than that, we have like two or three hundred listeners per episode tops. And I want each of those people to understand from the bottom of my heart, it's fascinating to me that you listen to me speak. <laughs> oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, the, the, the views of uh, Brandon do not reflect the views of the podcast as a whole. <laughs> the views of Brandon do reflect the podcast at all times. <laughs> um. But what are we going to be talking about? Uh, a couple things. I had a discussion topic of um, just kind of a lighthearted thing. 
Um, and then we might get into some leftist uh, discussion of leftist infighting um, and just like how, no how shitty it is. Or, uh, you know, Brandon might just continue to be a belligerent drunk and, you know, we'll do a little in leftist infighting on the podcast here. <laughs> Fuck so, you! Uh... <laughs> it, it begins. Yeah. Okay. A little background for tonight. They just fucking randomly messaged me like, hey, you want to go on call? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll be there in half an hour. And here we are. I didn't plan for this. I'm just a loud person that's drunk, and y'all can go fuck yourselves. Yeah. So, well, th thanks for joining us, Brandon. You're always appreciated. <laughs> I don't want to be. Um, so uh, the first topic I had for us to talk about um, is just... This is a hypothetical, you know, open your mind palace to the possibilities of the future. Wait, open my mind or like open my third eye? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, let's start with the mind first and then, you know, we, we'll go on from there. Um, I have a liquor, but let me go get the mushrooms. Yeah, so depends on how much help you need with your imagination, I guess. Um, imagine we've had the workers' revolution... All, uh, you know, everything that Richard Wolff talked about is come to pass. We have democracy in the workplace. Um, you know, the workers run the means of production. Um, and uh, you personally have been put in charge by the workers of a car factory. And you are the one making decisions on what kind of cars to make, what kind of engines to put in them. Uh, what to do with the future of this car factory. What do you do? You know, what kind of cars do you make? There's no restrictions of um, intellectual property. So you can make a, a Mustang with a 2JZ engine. You can uh, make, I don't oh, know, shit. a Corvette with a Duramax. Um, oh, whatever the fuck you wrong. want. No, that's, that's not allowed. Oh, no. Real quick. Why would I ever want to make a Mustang with any engine? Ooh, uh, ouch, shots fired. I, this, it's damn. just a hypothetical, man. Just an example. <laughs> you can you can make a reproduction of your your favorite van with your favorite engine. I don't. I'm not judging. Oh man, we were no, going to no, talk no. about leftists My best fighting, friend is a Mustang guy. It's literally his fighting. worst characteristic. What did you say, Brandon? I don't know. I was listening to Connor. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I also don't know what he said because I was talking while I was listening to it. Um, Welcome to Cars and Comrades. It's our most incoherent episode. So yeah. Um, well, I was oh, just saying, and yeah, we were going to talk about uh, leftists in fighting, but we forgot about car people in fighting. My God. Yeah. How did we miss that? <laughs> yeah, leftists act like they're special for having infighting. No. You guys like whatever, like, multiple Jay-Z engines, and I don't give a shit about that. I'm building an old motor. This thing went out of fucking popularity in 78. Fuck you guys. Well, maybe there's Who a reason it went out of popularity. 600 fucking pound-feet of torque at 2,000 RPMs. Alright, so we've all got our own notions of what makes a good car, what makes a good engine. Yes, and um, I'm right. You guys, this is wrong. I guess, I guess before we get into that, I should have mentioned that that Zach couldn't be here. He's uh, doing some. He's like at a wedding or a birthday party. I don't know, whatever. Well, but Zach uh, has life, and he can't always be on the podcast on short notice. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, I don't know. Who wants to go first? Who's got a good idea for a car company? I think, business? Brian, I think you or Connor should go first because I want to criticize you guys. All right. Well, I've got my own dumb idea that would make zero money and be a bad use of resources, but I want to do it anyway. Um, so what I would start off doing is making um, carbon fiber and fiberglass uh, reproduction body panels of hard to find like 80s and 90s sports cars like the yes. MR2 and the Miata. Okay, we'll uh, add some other ones in there too. There's, yes. there's some good I want carbon fiber shit boxes. Yes. Yes, that is my business plan. Carbon fiber <laughs> shit boxes. Now, okay, to be clear, I understand that my tone sounds critical, but I'm highly supportive of this. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. I'm glad we're on the same page. So, yeah. no, this is excellent. So, we would start off making reproduction body panels and other hard to find pieces, you know, to restore old, uh, you know, cars that got in a fender bender or whatever. Like, Right now, with MR2s, with first-gen MR2s, people are, like, 3D printing uh, trim pieces because you can't find them from Toyota or junkyards or whatever. Hmm. So, like, I would do that in a more formal, like, you know, better quality control way. Maybe not 3D printing, but I don't know, whatever. Um, and then once that's built up for a while, once we have the capacity, I would make entire carbon fiber body shells for the first generation MR2 and the um, maybe the uh, Aichi Roku, the Trueno Sprinter Corolla, uh, the rear drive Corolla from the 80s, maybe the front drive yes. Corolla from the 80s. No, the AE82, I think 82. Yeah, 82, I think um, anything that had the A motor in it, maybe even a fucking uh, Starlet that they never sold in the US. Um, what I'm hearing is I'm the boss, make parts for my car. Yes. <laughs> That's why I said this would never make any money in a capitalist sense, but I want to do it anyways. This is a vanity project for me. This I mean, it literally partner. could, though. You're the boss of a company, and you're building your personal racing team. Again. <laughs> no. Again, I understand that I sound super critical, but I highly support this. Killing it right now. Okay. Continue. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then, then what I would do, after we've got Every single part of an uh, AW11 or any other vintage Toyota. I don't know what those mean. Chassis codes, whatever. Um, uh, so you can build an entire brand new MR2 from the ground up, piece by piece. Then I would start getting weird with it. Make an off-road all-wheel drive version, like the the rally car that they almost built in the 80s. Um, maybe an electric or hybrid version maybe uh different engine swaps like people put uh honda k-series motors in those things people put newer uh toyota motors in those things so like any of those shit i would do i would make like the the mount kits and the or just like a like a chassis cradle or whatever that goes now, into the the fiberglass body or the um I am carbon body shell. Because you left out the like be all end all of motors would you make a kit for an ls swap <laughs> uh, actually, there's people doing that with MR2s. They usually have to cut a lot of metal out of it. So, yeah, po potentially. I mean, well, yeah, I mean that car is worthless in general. So, like, 
cut out everything you need to, to so that you can put an LS in it. Yeah, but if you're making it uh, if you're making it out of carbon fiber, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You know, you just make a new mold for God, it. Or whatever. Can you imagine a carbon fiber MR2? Oh yeah, no, it would weigh like fifteen hundred pounds, and you know, with an LS. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Downright dangerous. I have genuinely thought of making carbon fiber hand parts. So. Yeah. What you're saying sounds very reasonable to me. Now, I think it would also be cool to make ca- like carbon fiber bicycle frames or like motorcycles or something at the same time. Like while you have all the equipment for carbon fiber manufacturing, do like a little side business or whatever. That's uh, not weird. Carbon fiber is very popular in the bicycle world. Yeah, totally. Um, now, so once... Okay, so now we've gotten weird with it. We're doing engine swaps. We're doing... Let's say we'll do like long travel off-road suspension and shit. Then we would start making um, like combining different parts of Toyota cars to make models that Toyota never made. So, and they would all have a two JZ. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I mean, maybe some of them, but uh, not the ones I'm thinking of. They would all be a a motors, a chassis, whatever. Uh Um, You would have. You know, the back half of a, an AW11 MR2, a first-gen MR2, it has, like, a, a vertical rear window and then, like, buttresses on the back that look kind of like an El Camino. And that got me thinking, what if you made a Toyota Corolla pickup truck with various parts of 80s Toyotas? So you would have, like... That's just an 80s Toyota pickup truck! <laughs> But a, not a body on frame. A I've never body. seen ISIS before. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like an El Camino. This is a car-based pickup truck. So you I, would have. I don't even know how the car that you're describing doesn't have a 50 caliber machine gun. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could do that. Um, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, the the provision for mounting uh, guns on the back of it, but no. Now, now, like now that I understand the nature of this game, I'm pu- I'm putting a fifty cal on every car I design. Okay, sweet. Okay. Um, so so you'd have like the front half of a um, like an Aichi Roku, like a Torino Sprinter Corolla rear drive, and then you'd have like the back bodywork of an MR2, maybe stretched out a little okay. bit. I could to see be it. longer, so you could fit a whole truck bed in there. So you'd have and a fifty cal machine gun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because you're a member of ISIS. And oh, maybe while we're being weird, we can do the uh, <laughs> we can do the um, the Subaru Brat rear facing jump seats in the back. You know, with no seat belts. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm not familiar with this at all. What? So, okay. Are you talking about the Australian shit. Yeah, maybe we should. I don't know if we should do this a, 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 like a full episode on this, but like. No, we should. The, there was, there was, there is something called the chicken tax. I don't remember why it's called that. But oh, that's it, worth two or three full episodes. Yeah. Yeah, but the, it it basically means that there's uh, tariffs on importing uh, pickup trucks to the U.S. So basically, every single pickup truck that's sold in the U.S. is built in the U.S., even if uh-huh. it's a Toyota or a Nissan or whatever. Um, yeah, that's why so few import pickups available. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, uh, where was I going with this? I don't know. I keep interrupting you. <laughs> um, oh, but the uh, the Subaru... So Subaru sold uh, a car-based SUV called the Brat in the 80s. 
uh, Ronald Reagan had one. Um, and uh, they got around this import tax by putting plastic seats in the truck bed and selling it as a passenger vehicle. <laughs> so now most people took those seats out immediately when they bought it, but uh, there's a few that you can find out there. They're, they're, they're terribly unsafe. I don't think most of them had seat belts. They just had a couple like grab handles to hold seat on belts to. Seat belts are a liberal conspiracy. Yes. That's, I'm sure, what uh, Ronald Reagan would have said about his. But. No, to be clear, I'm 100% joking about that specific thing. <laughs> All right, so I just looked this up. Um, this is undeniably amazing. Um, <laughs> it should never have been, you know, trying to get around any kind of, like, pickup truck um, uh, restrictions because it doesn't look – it looks like an El Camino, but a Subaru version. This is amazing. This is – yeah. oh, my God, this is incredible. Wait, I now you're want not one. Disparaging an El Camino right now, right? <laughs> no, I just, I just want to be clear that you're not disparaging. No, 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 not at all. This is this is amazing. Um, okay, I so want one. The El Camino one, was the apex of American engineering. Yeah, it was. Yes, I agree. Well, as long as that's what you're getting at, we're, we agree. Yes, I'm. I don't want to disagree. If you so, disagree, yes. I'm going to keep yelling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I said, I agree. <laughs> Subaru Brat. Now I need one. Jesus. All right. Cool. Yeah. From all from everything I've heard, they're pretty terrible cars. Like they're not that good off road, and they're not that good on road. They're pretty wimpy motors. They're not reliable. They rust out. You know, they're pretty uh-huh. terrible at everything. But they're quirky and weird, and people like them. Okay. So, Google yeah. my Google image search disagrees on whether or not they're good off road, or at least people have made them better. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they're about on par with like a low end side by side UTV or something like that. You know, off road. That's not a high premise for comparison. Yeah. <laughs> um, Words. But uh, I don't know that that's about all I had for that car company. I think it would be kind of cool to do similar things with like a Miata, like um, maybe put the um, oh I forget the K. K-something V6 that came in different uh, other Mazdas. You know, they never came in the the, the uh, Miata from the factory, but they fit. They could have done should, it. They you should know? have. Yeah, yeah, they should have. Um, and same with the MR2. Like, there's the, like, uh, like, one FE or something like that. The V6 that was in the Camry and stuff, you know, those fit pretty easily in at least the second generation MR2s. They'll bolt right up to the transmission. Um, so maybe like, you know, if we were doing second gen MR2s, I would have, you know, that as an option. Um, but, uh, there's another thing I came up with dreaming about MR2s is the, uh, Toyota Highlander hybrid has an electric motor integrated into the rear differential. And that's how, that's how it gets all wheel drive. There's no drive shaft in between the engine and the rear differential and it's got i don't know hmm. i think about 60 horsepower electric motor and i think one of those in the front of an mr2 would be a good combination so hmm. have like a hybrid mr2 that's all-wheel drive and maybe like an off-road long travel suspension with double oh, sorry, air I, I got quiet for a moment because i thought my mom was talking <laughs> <laughs> now 
don't get me wrong, it would still have a manual transmission and some kind of a, an engine in the back. It would still be mid-engine. Some kind of an engine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, either the V6, the Honda K-Series, or a, you know, Toyota 2ZZ, something along those lines. Or maybe a big block Chevy? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe an LS6 or something with a supercharger, you know? Wildly different than a big block Chevy, but yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, what? well, I mean, there is an LS that's a... There is like a 7-liter LS, right? That's almost a big block, right? I don't know how that qualifies, what the qualification is for a big block, right? Okay, I'm again, I'm drunk, so bear with me. What the fuck is a liter? <laughs> uh... Like, what, 90-something cubic inches, I want to say? Yeah, okay, so here's your frame of reference, right? Your Chevy small block is a typical 5.7, right? Same with your... Okay, okay, okay. That's a that's a 350. Yes. And so then you move up to, like... I forget what the, sh- the current Chevy 6.2 liter. That's probably, what, 383, I think? Or somewhere in there? I, yeah. I, I know that the six two is under four hundred cubic inches. I'm pretty sure it is. Yes, I, and I'm I miss anything that I can look this shit up on. I, I misspoke. Uh, uh, one liter is sixty one cubic inches, and I believe seven liters is four twenty seven cubic inches. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Seven liters usually four twenty seven or four twenty eight. So GM and Ford both had a seven liter way back in the day. In terms of a big block Chevy. A 427 is four bitches. <laughs> Whoa, is it? Hey. Yes. A 427 says, I want to rev high, but I don't want to make any power. I mean, really? I, they they I, make, what, seven or 800 horsepower yeah, with the, yeah. the newer yeah, ones, don't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you want to get a 632, it'll make 1,500 horsepower, fuck it. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. That- but back in the day, I mean, the seven liter was like what you'd find in like the highest trim Corvettes and stuff. I think, right? Yeah, way back yes. in the day. But counter argument: fuck those cars. Okay, all right, that's fair. You're just going with the the bigger <laughs> is better sort of argument. No, I'm going with the I'm very drunk, and everything that you guys say is going to be wrong no matter what argument. Okay. Okay, I love it. It's not okay. You don't love it. <laughs> no well, like if i'm being serious uh this is an argument i get into a lot with people back in the day there was a very specific limit to what you could stroke things to so the 427 was very popular because it revved super high nowadays metallurgy has a like improved to the point where you can make a 454 or a 496 or a 502, or a 570, or 632, rev just as fucking high as a 427 used to. What did the, it, what did the 420 what did the 427 used to rev to? Uh, probably around six thousand back okay, in the day. Again, I I was aware of this Zoom call like twenty minutes before I got onto it. Yeah. I don't know. I think a 427 still maxed out at around eight grand. Uh, no, this is saying, really? yeah, about oh, wow. seventy five hundred to eight grand. Yeah, 
well, that's if you modified it, right? Like, you, if you like, I think the factory red line would have been much lower. I would think. Yeah, I think around six six thousand. Because even a small block here. was lower than was around six thousand. I think all the always small block, big block. It doesn't mean shit. Hmm. Okay, you guys want me to be not drunk and like actually mathematical for a moment? I can do that. Let's do it. A four twenty seven was limited by piston speed. Okay. Nowadays, metallurgy has gotten to the point where a 454 or 496, which is the same bore at, specifically in a Chevy, it's the same bore at, like, or, uh, you know, within 60 thousandths of the same bore. But it's, it's a higher stroke. And so, like, you have to limit piston speed because if your piston is going too fast, then you have some catastrophic failure. Now, metallurgy has overcome that. So, like, people reminisce about the, the 427 if it's a big block or the 377 or the 350 or the 327 if it's a small block. And the reality is that the longer stroke will make more power. It just does not do it in quite, like, Okay, my daily driver is a 327, and I wish to God it was a 383, because if they stroked it instead of de-stroked it, I would get better fuel mileage, better low-end torque, and with the right metallurgy in terms of pistons and rods, I can also rev higher. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think generally speaking, like, the if you have a, like, the bore-to-stroke ratio changes the character of the engine quite a bit so like if you have a rod to stroke ratio and and that's the important part yeah yeah but like i think generally speaking if you have a smaller bore and a longer stroke and a longer rod it's going to be more torquey more low revving and like you said it can be typically more efficient um and then if you have a bigger bore a shorter stroke and maybe a shorter rod it can be it can rev higher um because there's uh there's less piston speed less um uh i, I forget exactly the physics behind it but it it's um, you guys are familiar with the concept of over square or under square right i forget which is which though yeah i've come across it okay fair enough an, an under square motor means that the stroke is shorter than the bore is wide an over, or rather, a, a perfectly square motor has the same bore and stroke. Okay. And an over square motor has a longer stroke than the bore is wide. So an, 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 an under square motor could rev so much higher than a square or over square motor that the power output was higher. Uh, okay. That's the best way to explain this. A 302, a 327, a 350, and a 383 Chevy are all the same bore of motor. Yeah. But they're different strokes. Now, the 302 was made to be a race motor, so it had to fit certain uh, displacement characteristics. The 327, not so much. That was just a shorter stroke motor. So it revved super, super high because when you look at the characteristics of a short stroke and a large bore, 
Dude, this shit is so hard to explain when you're drunk, but I am right. I do know this. <laughs> you're, you're right so far. Yeah. Um, the 327 and 350 both made, like, good, like, horsepower and torque numbers. But when you stroke a motor to 383, all other things being equal, it makes more torque and less horsepower. If you build pistons and rods that can high, handle higher RPMs, you have a 383 that can rev just as high as a 350, 383, or 302. So, all other things being equal, you're making more more power per like per revolution of the piston, and you can rev just as high. Like, fuck. Dude, I don't know. Do our listeners understand that the the formula for calculating horsepower is torque multiplied by RPM divided by 52.52? If you do, understand that you can never, ever, ever make more horsepower than you make torque below 5,250 RPMs. At that point, if you can make big big tons of power past that like that rpm yeah that's when you start making serious horsepower so all you've got to do is build pistons and rods that can handle super high rpms and there's a million ways to do that with metallurgy with ratios and and so on and so forth i really lost the thread here i'm sorry no it's okay um well while Brandon, I don't know, or I don't know, either one of you, would you have a, do you have a, uh, an idea of what you would do for your uh, car factory that you're running? That's what we were talking about? Oh, <laughs> fuck, I know, I'm still on board here. Connor, you go first, man. I'm going to criticize your shit before I start saying my stuff. Okay, well, that's fair. Um, all right, so I initially, when we started this, uh, when we were talking about doing this topic, I actually thought what would you do um, kind of like today before, you know, we've had a workers revolution or whatever. Um, how, how would you run things? Which uh, really is pretty much the same as I would after revolution. So it doesn't really matter that much, but in theory, after an ideal revolution, we'd have, we'd be doing better than simple worker co-ops. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would, of course, the first step would be make it a workers' co-op. Yeah, I was being a little facetious when I was talking about Richard Wolf there. Let's, let's. I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that's not the 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 end point of society that I am necessarily looking for. Yeah, yeah, same here. But it's not the end point. But I'm not going to throw shade at Richard Wolf, dude. I, res- I respect him. No, oh, definitely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, in in a world where we're still having these kinds of factories that produce this thing um i'm I'm assuming we have not reached post scarcity um communism yet so because that's almost an inconceivable like i i wouldn't even almost know where to begin like that's just so far off to people would have very different ideas then so um wait you're saying we haven't reached post scarcity communism what huh i know i I'm, i'm sorry like I, I didn't understand the statement. Um, I was just saying, I think things would be different enough if we've like reached the end goal that we're all kind of going for. 
um, we would oh, be shit. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Things would be just so different. So uh, before that, um, I, I'm fine with you know we've had some kind of whether it's just we've we've got more worker co-ops or whatever. First step would be make it a workers co-op. Uh, in theory, yeah, let's say they elect me to be in charge, um, and you know, whatever it is, what it is. The way I would run such a business uh, would be generally to take the approach that let's kind of work smarter, not harder. So instead of having a whole lot of different engines, we could probably use a lot of the same engines and like engineer them very well, but use them among most of our fleet and also use them for a relatively long time, maybe with some improvements here and there. So like, Car companies do this to a certain extent now, um, but there isn't, I, I feel like they sometimes have more engines that they've engineered, but they also don't offer that many engine options like in a car. So like, cool, Toyota might make 10 different engines, but like each car might have two engine options. Right. And like to me, that's a lot of, that's a lot of engineering for not a lot of reward. Um, I would rather have, say, four or five good engines and every car would have three, four or five, whatever, engine options. And they're just really well engineered would be the goal. Can I you go know? off on a little bit of a tangent here? No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we democratically elected that I can, so. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I... I that's one of the things about capitalism that I just find so wasteful is that every single car company on earth is making their own variation on like a two liter straight four engine yeah. with twin cams. Why? Like, why? you know, or like a five liter V8 or whatever, you know, like they're all have like teams of probably dozens or maybe even hundreds of engineers working for years, developing these engines when they could just collaborate and make the same shit and make it good. Like, yeah, you know, because they all could make... They all fuck up. They all yeah. have these problems. You're like, God damn it! Give us one good fucking engine for Christ's sake. Put a yeah, two like... JZ in everything or an LS in everything. Just fucking come on, get yeah. it right the first fucking time. <laughs> yes. Like yes. as far as I'm concerned, like I don't know. Probably Honda makes some of the best four cylinder engines out there. Like if they just made every single four cylinder engine, and then. You know, like maybe Chevy made every single V8 or whatever. Like that would be fine with me. Like who cares? Like as long as you have a good design, like just fucking stick with it. Like we don't need, you know, Peugeot and and uh, you know Chrysler and Ford all making basically the same shit, just different variations. Dude, on that yes. topic, we don't need like eight different car companies using the same motor. Like in in a lot of different platforms, like I don't know, man. Take take Mopar for example. You've got like Chrysler and Dodge and Ram all using the Hemi platform. Yeah. Or or like more conservatively, the like I I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I think it's like two forty or two sixty five uh, aluminum V eight that goes in a lot of Land Rovers and a lot of British cars that was also in a lot of like sixties and seventies Oldsmobiles and Buicks. Oh yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
you don't need eight different car companies using the same motor. Like, Why not? Just because, because... Because fuck your choice. You don't okay. need a million options to, like, like validate who you are as a person. Buy a goddamn truck that makes the power you need. Yeah. Buy a car that goes fast. I don't know. Again, very drunk right now. Strong opinions, <laughs> little information. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, uh, you know, it, in the same segment, like, if you have a Dodge Ram, a Chevy Silverado, and a Ford F-150, they're all going to be very similar, like, in what they do, like, they're, probably one's going to have better, like, tow rating, one's going to have better horsepower, one's going to get better mileage or whatever, but, like, it, you know, if if all those engineering teams, you know, combined forces... Collaborated instead of competed. Exactly, That's really yeah. what it comes down to. That's the that we should organize an economy around that principle. Yeah, you're wasting be... thousands of man hours. Listeners can't see my face, but it is in extreme agreement. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, like in this discussion, I feel like we're talking about how would we run a company, which is not necessarily like, oh, yes, in this ideal world, yeah, we would all collaborate, and like we would have that. Um, so I agree a hundred percent. In this hypothetical example, I'm not sure if that's like what's happening, but like I would institute something like that for within the company. Like you have these engineering teams and it's like, let's kind of reuse like, you know, you can use the same motor around and you can just, you know, maybe you have a different cylinder head design for this one or that one. But like a lot of car companies, they really, there's a lot of waste. Um, there really is. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of companies like they put out these cars and, and again, hindsight's 2020. I'm not saying it's, you know, of course it's easy to sit here and say how I would do it, but like there's a lot of cars throughout history. Everyone can think of one that like never quite met up to the expectations. Um, a good example is sometimes the Miata, which was great for what it was, but like they really always should have had a turbo option or they should have had a V6 offering or a hardtop. Like so a, you know, opinion, the second gen Hemi never lived up to its potential. Okay. Could, yeah, sure. I could see that. I don't. I don't know a whole lot about the second gen Hemi, to be honest. Uh, man, you want another twenty minute fucking tangent? <laughs> I don't know about twenty minutes. <laughs> it's a really good design. It just didn't meet its full potential. That's all. Well, I mean, and that's that's kind of exactly like that's the thing I'm talking about. Is like there's all these engines, all these cars that just never quite that there's this need to make this profit. And it really gets in the way of like what could have been um, like they cut costs in like, Oh, well, you know, the Miata's fine the way it is. It's like everyone for you know the last 30 years has said, God, just a little more fucking pot. Like it's not, it wouldn't take much or a little um, bit or, better. Or chassis rigidity. Consumer ever said the Miata is good. What? No, I'm just reaffirming what you said. Oh, at no point has a consumer ever said that the Miata is good. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it's okay. It's it's good in a lot of ways, but there's yeah. there are yeah, definitely but ways but that also it's lacking. It's bad in every way. Yes, essentially. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> listeners can't see this. Uh, Brian is nodding in agreement. <laughs> no, I mean the 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 Miata is a good car. It's not a great car. Let's say it's bad. Let, 
it's it's bad at some things. It's not, you know, it does it does handling very well. It could have better chassis rigidity. Is actually, very good at being a bad car. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, you gotta you gotta compromise somewhere when when uh, you're making a sports car. You can't have uh, everything. But uh, yeah. So with the Miata, they compromised at even the concept of making a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that old debate. All right, well, we'll, uh, um, we'll rehash that argument but, another time, maybe. <laughs> I fully recognize that in terms of engines, I am the most reactionary person on the podcast. <laughs> I love you all dearly. I'm very drunk. Miatas are stupid. Whatever. Now, I will say that a Miata with a gold, good old American pushrod V8, preferably an aluminum block one. Okay, From what I've, I've heard, huh? That's it. That means LS. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. That is a good combination. From what I've heard, I've never driven one, but from what I've heard, it's basically. Right yeah, it's it's the successor to a uh, to like a 427 Cobra or whatever. You know, like yeah. it's a light car with a big engine. Um, I have seen that's been LS swapped. Nothing I owned would ever keep up on it. Oh yeah, no, they're they're quick little things, but you gotta basically replace the entire drivetrain, and that's gonna be at least like twenty thousand bucks in parts and everything. So, this yeah, you could do it a little um, cheaper, I think. But yeah, um, no, I mean, there's people that put like five liter Mustang motors in there. That's pretty cheap, but you don't get as good performance. If you gave me an, a Miata. I could probably LS swap it, drive like rear end and everything for five grand. Okay. Probably. I don't know. That, that, I mean, that's a little low, but does that include dang. the rear end and everything also? And yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I paid $400 for the rear end that's going in my 69 Chevy. And that is a good fucking rear end. Would you, you'd be putting a solid rear axle in a Miata, though. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, I'm not cool with that. Yeah, I wouldn't okay. do that. <laughs> then I would spend a different $400 on an 884. Okay. If you can, That's yeah. also a solid axle, isn't it? Uh, uh, okay, I don't know what year they changed, but the 88 became a... It, it, was a rear, it was a solid rear axle until a certain year. Okay. And then it became an IRS. Oh, okay. So, no. Okay. Hmm. No, like I buy everything from swap beats and junkyards. So when people tell me like, "Oh, you need forty thousand dollars to do this thing," I say, "Actually, I have eight hundred dollars, and I'm going to accomplish your thing." Yeah. Hmm. Well, and <laughs> that reminds me, I saw a guy that swapped a um, Chrysler Slant Six into a Miata. So nice, you know, people have done ah, some weird things. The Leaning Tower of Power. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> but I, I love reactionary shit. Like in terms of motors, I do. <laughs> but like the reality is, you you like if you're a poor person, you gotta love junkyards and you gotta love swap meets. Yeah, definitely. Like. Dude, the van that I'm building, which I am building to balls out drag race, we're trying to get it in the 11 second range for five grand. That includes the rear end and the motor. 
I am currently twenty-five to three grand, twenty-five hundred to three grand into that van, and I have a full rear-end transmission and drivetrain for something that should run low elevens. So when somebody tells me you need twenty thousand dollars to do something, I tell them they can go fuck themselves, dude. Yeah, I mean it is yeah, doable, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, if you know where to look and you know where to get stuff out of what vehicle or whatever, yeah, definitely. Like the weird old adage of like what 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 is it? Fast, good, and cheap. Pick two. Yeah, yeah. That's real. If you're willing to take your time and cruise swap me to cruise junkyards and like spend your precious like extra time, you can find a Corvette twelve volt that is an IR like an independent rear. You can find an eight eight that's an independent rear. They're not that hard to find and they can handle a decent amount of power hmm. yeah that's fair um but uh i paid six hundred dollars for the uh four nine inch with uh with 430 gears and drags like 15 or 16 inch wide drag slicks for six hundred dollars and yeah, then i pulled my big block out of a junkyard for 400 But uh, but uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, Connor, you we kind of interrupted you. What did you uh, have more to say about your ideal car factory situation? Um, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> let me think. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Ooh, so I, I kind of got where I'm. Car factory pulling everything out of a junkyard? No. It, well, so it would just be essentially trying to make cars that are a lot like Legos, in which like. Pretty much every car could, you know, in theory, have most engine options available. And, like, yeah, you, I'd go with higher trim levels. So, like, yeah, here's this, like, economy car that is perfect for most people. Um, and, like, here it is with our our stupid, over-ridiculously engineered V8. You know, the race model, whatever. I would offer all those um, just because I think it would be fun and it's easier, right? If you made things kind of standard and like you almost use this economies of scale kind of model where it's like I produce enough that like it doesn't really cost me that much I for the most part every engine bay is going to be engineered to fit just about any of these engines the engine motor mounts would go in relatively the same place on most of them stuff like that you can give a lot of options for very little engineering you know what I'm saying? And yeah, you know, per- personally, if, if I ran a, a car factory, like I, I would have been, I'd have been doing hybrid technology a lot sooner than a lot of these car makers. And I would have been doing it on my, my sports cars, you know, cause like they came out with these hybrids. Oh, here's our hybrid, whatever. And it's for the eco-friendly person. I'm like, yo, I'd have the eco-friendly sports car that like, you know, yeah, I'm going to shred you with, <laughs> you know, that like, yeah. Uh, th- that has like 300 were... foot pounds of torque or whatever yeah they were they were slow to the game i mean really yeah. like hybrid technology is i'm like you could have been making like in this technology was in motorsports like I, i'm pretty sure like there was hybrid stuff going on with like f1 teams and shit like yeah. that and it's like yeah they call it, um, it in the... curs kinetic energy recovery yeah. system yeah. yeah. Dude, isn't the conic zeg that's like 12 or 1400 horsepower a fucking 
yes. Hybrid. So a lot of the like biggest like hyper cars and shit were doing this before a lot of the automakers, and it's like, hey, wake up, do that. Like, make your fucking take your V six like thing that's making three hundred horsepower, and then add a hundred horsepower at the front wheels with an electric motor. Yeah. Boom. You're going to oh. kick every Mustang's ass in a fucking like it's just like you can kick ass among these big, you know, engine cars and like be like, yeah, we're actually more, you know, ecologically friendly. We're better on your wallet and we're faster and we handle better at the racetrack. Like you can. There's so and many that's... missed opportunities with these car companies. It's really yeah. it's like, come on. You and know, like I said, with the Toyota Highlander hybrid, like. That uh, that seems like a like I don't know why there's more car companies not like I don't know understand why there's more car companies not doing that right now like you don't need yeah. like having a drive shaft from one end of the car to the other seems like a waste when you could just have some electrical cables and exactly. some batteries and stuff you know like it's like ha- have fewer moving parts fewer mechanical things yeah the technology's been there it, yeah. it has been there and it wasn't marketed well either like there's all this like oh there's this especially in a, in the united states because we're a shitty country and we have real problems with like this weird toxic masculinity where it's like oh you can't be a cool guy and drive a hybrid it would be a little bit different if your sports cars came out with hybrids first or at the you same don't time. understand if my truck doesn't make 600 pound feet of torque my dick is small <laughs> well and just imagine it could do that we <laughs> Like what I'm talking about is like it would have made that easier to do. Yeah. Um, so a lot of car companies have been really late, and to me, again, it just it shows the kind of problems with capitalism, where it's like because you're doing things for profit, the consumer is not getting the best vehicle. It is the environment is suffering, and we could have had cars that were faster, better, more efficient. Like we could have had all this stuff, and so. I think, you know, if I were to in charge, I'd be running a place that was like, let's focus on that kind of stuff. Let's let's not have those regrets of, oh, did our sports car have uh, a bigger engine option? We would have it. You know, it, that's the kind of way I would approach things that, you know, and I'd be big on hybrid technology and, you know, electric cars and stuff now. But um, I would approach it as like, let's give people the option to do this and of course you know let's have workers who are invested in the company like i don't want to you know happy workers are good for the company like you don't have to crush people into fucking dust um turns out that that doesn't work um for producing good vehicles it just doesn't and so if you were the company that was doing better for your workers it would pay for it's it would more than pay for itself i also wouldn't uh if i were running the company i wouldn't do a whole lot of advertising or differently than a lot of other car companies do it um because i think there's been studies that show like all those car commercials you see on tv and shit um those do not actually sell new cars not really uh the effect of those commercials is to reduce buyer's remorse and to create uh brand loyalty loyalty um, and so that's kind of like, it, it's weird that it doesn't have the normal intended effect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I would probably not spend millions of dollars on that. Um, cause I'm pretty sure like you can 
get those things in other ways. Like make yeah. a good car. That would stop buyer's remorse. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of skeptical of the whole idea of marketing in general. Like, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's just because I really hate commercials and I try to avoid them whenever possible. Like I've got all the ad blocker stuff on all the browsers and everything. And I just try to avoid commercials. Well, I don't well, know. They do, well, I don't know so what they it do is, work. But... Here's how it works. Let me, let me explain. Um, okay. It doesn't work on you individually every time, but it works on you 1%, right? So 1% of those ads is going to get you just enough. Yeah. And because of like the law of big numbers, when you just multiply this across like how many people are in the US? 320 something million people? Something like yeah. that. 1% a big fucking number. Um, okay. the, the truth is most of these ads, it just creates an atmosphere where this stuff happens like there is marketing uh, I, I hate capitalism i want to be clear i hate everything about it i hate marketing i hate that there are people who are paid to know this shit but there is some fascinating things about marketing um i've learned this stupid shit like oh people's eyes tend to drift to the right like and so you put the more expensive product on the right that's cool interesting stuff it's stupid that we have people working on that right you know it's like what a yeah. weird world in which that's how we spend human beings intelligence like that we yeah. wasted on such silly things. But like it is interesting at the very least. And they do have data to back up that a lot of that stuff works. Um, but it's it's wasteful for sure. And it's unnecessary. Um, and, and so I don't think I would take that same approach if I were running the company. I, I think I would take a try and take a different approach from other companies because they're all doing it one way. Um, you should differentiate yourself would kind of be how I would think. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff I think makes uh, a bit of a difference and you know, that's kind of how I would, I would do it. I'd also, if I were in charge, I would create a part of my car company that made all the performance parts. So like, yeah, there can be other performance companies out there, but like I would I would have our engineering teams figure out the best way to make aftermarket parts and we'd own that company too. Um, that would give us a certain amount of control in the market, but also it's when someone does a dope ass modified version of our car, in a lot of ways it's still, you know, our engineering. And it can be done in a way that like just imagine how many aftermarket kind of setups would be improved if they actually worked with the engineering team of the vehicle and they engineered the vehicle with that in mind. Just, I mean, imagine the possibilities. Okay. Um, so if you kind of had both, yeah, if you had kind of a little bit of that kind of control, um, you could really do some pretty interesting things, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know like, there are they some... Do it to... They do it to some extent, yeah. You know, like there's but... there's some uh, aftermarket companies that have a working relationship with an OEM uh, yeah. car manufacturer that you know they they give them the 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 CAD models or the data or whatever beforehand, yep. and you know, yeah, yeah. But, but see, I would want to have that kind of somewhat in house. Not that I would be selfish about it. Like, oh, no one else can have the plans. I wouldn't care. But like, I would that would be a part of how we engineered the vehicle more so on the, on the um, performance models. But again, because the engines that we'd be using are 
well-engineered and used in every vehicle, the grocery getter might have the same engine and the same kind of setup as the race, one of the sport car models, you know? Um, but that like, makes sense, though, dude. The grocery getter and the fucking race car can be two of the same engine with different cams and they're yeah. different motors. Yeah, yeah, or at least like the same body shell and, you know, like suspension parts maybe. The yeah. same and, basic and, parts, but yeah. You know, and, and it comes down to like, you can put, so like I talk about the 2JZ all the time and yeah, it's a great engine and everything, but really it was super fucking reliable. They did put that engine in some grocery getters in non-turbo form. They didn't necessarily keep some of the same internals, but like, yeah, it would be really cool if your grocery getter, your Toyota Camry had a straight six, really well balanced engine. Maybe it doesn't have the turbo on it, right? But like, you could still use good, strong internals and have an engine that's going to just, that's made to take abuse and doesn't get abuse. That's an engine that lasts three, 400,000 miles. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So you and then maybe if you have that, that, uh, you know, aftermarket division, they could make the, the turbo kit if you really want to turn your grocery yeah. getter into the race car. I mean, how easy would that be? You're, and you're not mm. reinventing the wheel over and over again. So, like, there's all these ways it's like, yes, you can... I, I, people think, you know, oh, well, capitalism is good at this, capitalism is good at that. It's like, well, actually, it's it's remarkably inefficient um, when you really capitalism think about it. Capitalism ain't good at shit. Pick anything capitalism did and communism did it better. Yeah. No, really. It, that, that's true. And, and it's... You can say, like, okay, and everyone's like, oh, well, how would you do it? And they kind of have that retort of, like, oh, I bet. And it's like, no, it's actually really easy. You can cut out. Capitalism has so much waste and so much. There's engineering teams, and they're all working on the same shit. And you're like, dude, you can consolidate a lot of that fucking work and spend it well, make something better for less money. Like, you can do better shit with less. Um and it's because of competition that that's impossible. It's because that they, you know, it's funny. It's like their cost cutting measures actually in some ways ca- cause the capitalists to spend more. Uh, again, this is back to the idea that capitalists are their own grave diggers. I mean, they'll spend so much fucking money trying to save money that they spend more trying to do it. And you're like, hey, just make a good vehicle. Just or make a good product, whatever it is. Just don't spend so much time trying to cut the fucking corners. Like they hire a specialist. We're brought in a specialist to figure out all this, you know, how to treat workers just a little bit worse and how to make, how to cut just the right corners. And you're like, maybe don't hire that company and just do the thing that is good. Like try that maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, what? We can't treat workers better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or they're like they you know, their people. <laughs> you know, um, wh- one thing that uh, that reminded me of is um, I was listening to a podcast years ago with um, uh, Gail Banks. I, I might have told this story on on the show before, but whatever, fuck it. Um, so Gail Banks, uh, you know, Banks makes uh, like turbo equipment for, mostly for diesel vehicles nowadays. But he was, uh, he got to start with like offshore powerboat racing, I believe, and uh, just got into turbo technology a lot sooner than anyone else. And um, he was consulted by General Motors when they were developing their turbo uh, cars like in the late 70s, I believe. So, like the turbo Trans Am that was pretty shitty. Um, or the Grand National. 
Yeah, which was less shitty. But um, so with the the Turbo Trans Am, the uh, you know he was like, okay, so you know you're gonna put this turbo on it. You you probably want to have an intercooler, and then you want to probably use like the Bosch K-Jectronic fuel injection system. You know, it's a good system. It works for Volvo. Uh, you know, it it's great for turbo setups. And they're like, mm, you know, that sounds like it costs a lot of money. Why don't we just put a quadrajet on it and call it good and have a draw through turbo? And uh, okay, I'm not gonna have anyone disparage the quadrajet carburetor in front of me. <laughs> I mean, for this application, it was not as good as fuel injection because you're not. I will, I will accept that specific. Yeah, because you're you're not able to use an intercooler be, to get rid of the excess heat from the turbocharger because it's a draw through setup. Um, you're you have weird shit with like vacuum and uh, your fuel ratios are going to be a little bit wonky at certain levels. I, and I did concede this point. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just explaining for the listener, for the listener, why is it bad to? I have two quadrajets on my bench that need rebuilt right now as we speak. So I'm yeah. a little salty. That's it. <laughs> no, they're great for NA engines, but but not for you know 1970s turbo technology. Actually, for 1970s turbo technology, they might be the best option. But by the 80s, I will concede that they had been bested. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess the point what I was trying to make is the general motors um i don't know executives higher ups accountants whatever basically said we can save you know 50 dollars per unit per car on this uh by putting a turbocharger on it rather than fuel injection it'll make the car worse it'll have a lot less power it'll get worse fuel economy it'll probably be less reliable but we'll save money on the on the production side you know and that kind of attitude i think Maybe it's a little less prevalent than it was in the 70s, but it's definitely baked into capitalism, generally speaking, that, uh, you know, that cost cutting, corner cutting uh, thing that Connor was talking about. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that's all I had. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are ready for what, like, a car company under my personal dictatorship looks like. <laughs> I'm glad you used that word because I have a feeling that's what it's going to turn out to be. <laughs> yeah, should we be worried? Nah, dude, this is a dictatorship of the fucking proletariat. Woo! Y'all get no new cars, period. That's it. That's my rules. No new cars? Nah, we go to the junkyard, we save <laughs> everything. We're going to lose money like it's going out of fucking style, and the this reason like a is fantasy. losing money going out of style. It doesn't fucking matter anymore. This is communism we're talking about here. Instead of worrying about money, we're gonna worry about like the material resources that we have to work with. We're gonna go to every junkyard. You got rear-ended and your car got totaled. We're stealing the motor. Your motor blew up. We're stealing the <laughs> oh. chassis. I'm not hmm. fucking kidding here. My neighborhood got fucked recently, like uh, in the last five years, because developers decided that it was cheaper to tear down a bunch of houses than it was to rebuild them, because the man hours added up a lot more than the actual material resources to rebuild those houses did. 
I'm not letting that shit happen hmm. with cars under my fucking dictatorship. You like, I like a, it. You like a 1989 Celica? Cool. We're going to go find one of those and put it in the fucking shop and we're going to make sure that everything is good on it and we're going to rebrand that or resell that or, or just not do any of that shit and say, hey, here's a freshly rebuilt 1989 Celica. I like uh, that. I do like reproductions of old cars because, like, we've had a lot of really cool cars. I feel like you could just reproduce a lot of them and maybe even make some improvements here and there. But, like, I like the idea of old shit, like, is brand new. Like, go ahead, just fix it up. It's fine. Make it work. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, not to be a fucking asshole. But there is absolutely no reason in the fucking world that another car ever needs to be made within the next hundred years. We've made enough. Yeah. There has been like hundreds of millions of small block Chevys made. There is enough shit in the world where it might currently not be financially profitable to save everything. But when you start having situations where the ocean's on fire and the fucking... Uh, forest is on fire, and literally everything around you in the world is on fire. Like maybe you worry less about money and more about the fact that like everything around you is on fire. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you go, you start scouring the junkyards, and people are like, "Yo, why are you doing that? Like, you're a car company. You shouldn't be just at every local junkyard in the U.S." And I'm like, counter argument. Go fuck yourself. You're counter revolutionary to the gulags of you. <laughs> 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 to be fair, Brandon, it, it would probably be easier if you just had an a, an agreement with these um with these junkyards to call the company when they've had shit to go and get. Yes, but then I don't get to put people in the gulags. Oh, that's true. Okay, all right. I didn't know that that was a big part of the, no, the thing. You, okay, gotcha. That, that is eighty percent of this. <laughs> you know. This reminds me, I was Corn thinking. Gulag. <laughs> <laughs> that nineteen eighty nine eclipse, that was a trap, gulag. <laughs> okay, so I don't maybe we won't put you in charge of the gulag uh uh sentencing. No, you but, put uh, me in charge of the car company so that de facto I control the gulag. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm pretty sure the workers would 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 then quickly recall you and put you back on the production floor if this was, if it was all gulags. Connor, I love you, but you're stupid. You have clearly not been watching the Frager U videos about how communism works. I, you know what? I'm not exactly as familiar as I once was. Me either, because they're idiots and I don't respect them. To, with them, no. I'm not even considering their opinions. Gulag. Uh, I'm with it. No. J- joking aside, there literally is enough stuff in the junkyards of America to make a generation of fucking cars. And I think that the emphasis needs to be less on, like, uh, production's the wrong word, but, like, salvation. Like, like they did with the fucking Lada and the Soviet Union. If it broke, you didn't throw it away and send it to the scrapyard and get a new one. You sent it to the factory to be rebuilt. Yeah. 
And I think that there needs to be a lot, lot, like a lot, lot more emphasis on uh, keeping things on the road than scrapping things and getting new stuff on the road. Like, if you're the dude who's waiting on the next, like, 2022 Escalade with you, Gulag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the rest of us, like, yo, take the car that you can get. Is it super cool? I don't know. Maybe not. Like, that's on you. We'll give you a working car, and you want to modify it? Good on you. Do your best. We're just trying to get you to work on Monday. I feel like, so, actually, so, um, suggestion here. If you don't get to work on Monday, gulag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, so, so here's where, um, I'd make one kind of suggestion because, you know, old engines have a tendency to pollute more, um, than newer ones. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like if you, when when a car has had its it's it's had its life, instead of scrapping it, you can use a lot of that. A lot of that stuff is good and ready to be refurbished, and you know you could still design new drivetrain options and kind of retrofit those. So like, yeah, okay. maybe go it, pull you out of the gulag and put you into the engineering department. <laughs> <laughs> good, great. Like, you know, they did that with NASA, well, not NASA, whatever the fucking Soviet space program was. Yes, yeah, they did. Yeah, there was a dude in the gulag, and instead he got them, like, to space. <laughs> Listen, I don't condone everything that the Soviet Union did, just, like, 99% of it. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying here is, in terms of cars, uncritical support for Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> uncritical... <laughs> That was the. That might be the best statement that's ever been made on this podcast. Actually, now that I've yelled that, I understand why our listener cap is like three or four hundred people. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a limit to what we can what we can achieve here. Yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, joking, joking aside, the fundamental principle: if I were in charge of whatever hypothetical car company, would be to save things because like again we're not joking here so i have to stop making stupid statements that are like you know me fucking supporting stalin because like i don't a hundred percent okay like 99 percent support stalin but not like a hundred percent whatever no like (laughs) a huge uh thing that people don't take into account is like if you have a car there is a lot of extraction involved in Mining yes. the iron, mining the aluminum, uh, smelting the iron, smelting the aluminum, refining uh, production of certain alloys and stuff. And is it equivalent to what the gas output of an inefficient motor is? Yes or no. I've seen different research, and I'm not going to support either one without me personally doing additional research. But I think the reality is we can eliminate a huge amount of waste if we just go to the junkyards of America or whatever country you're in and start saving things instead of scrap, like, dude, one of my coworkers literally this week didn't have his truck because it was brand new and he got a dent in it and he had to take it to the body shop. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> if your truck has a dent in it, drive it because fuck you. 
<laughs> yeah. There are yeah. better ways to spend our resources than making sure every car is pristine when we can potentially make sure that, like, yo, maybe that 1987 Blazer that you really like is a complete hunk of shit that's rotting into the ground. Fucking take it to my engineers. We will redo it and, like, I don't know. I, I like, the actual on-the-ground economics of it, how it works, I don't know. But I know that, like, if you have a, a, a truck that you really like that's getting eight miles to a gallon, bring it to us. We'll patch it up for you. We'll, we'll fucking smear some Bondo on it, repaint it, and throw an electric drivetrain in it that's getting you 16 or 18 or 22 miles to a gallon. And miles to a gallon maybe doesn't even apply here because I'm speaking from a, a perspective where we're doing our absolute fucking best to do solar and wind and tidal energy to produce electric for the fucking motors I'm putting in shit. Yeah. I don't like scrapping anything. And so, you know what? Fuck it. That 1970 Super B that you really liked and you love and had a 446 pack that got six miles to a gallon. Well, you can still love that car. We're going to put an electric motor in it. And maybe it's got a 240 mile range and live with it. It looks well, cool. in, in a lot of in a lot of cases it'll still it'll go faster <laughs> like, yeah. than it ever did. We can <laughs> it'll do go so better. much faster. Yeah. What? I said it will it will just go so much faster. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, like exactly like you said, we don't need to keep producing the bodies of cars and shit. Like it's just that yeah. there's a lot of waste in that and we've made enough. Find one you, you know, like and good enough. That that reminds me of a couple things I was thinking of. Like I was definitely thinking, you know, like if we were gonna transition to like uh, electric cars. For Stalin, you all heard it here. Bryant is saying it. <laughs> I respect it. I uh, sure uh, uh, maybe not ninety nine percent, but uh, you know he did some things good, like killed a lot of Nazis, but. Uh, um, I don't know what his car policy was. To make all cars, you heard it here. <laughs> so my the thing I was thinking of is like yeah, like what you said. Like there should be electric retrofit kits for old cars. Yeah. And you know, uh, for the listener, we might actually have someone on from a uh, a company that's doing that right now. Um, still tentative, so you know, we'll see. And I don't know when we're going to publish this episode. We, don't, anyway, we also so. don't know when this episode's going to come out. So it yeah, could be yeah. the episode right after that already happens. So, <laughs> so maybe we'll just edit this out. But uh, anyways. This episode is going to take four weeks just to edit. <laughs> and I will not back down. I know a junkyard 30 minutes from here with six Dodge darts in it. You want an electric dart? We got you. Come to my yeah. car company. But I love like it. that's a pitch. You you've got me sold. But like uh, everyone everyone keeps talking about like oh you know we need to switch over to like electric cars you know but like the average American car lasts like ten or fifteen years on the road and you know and people aren't gonna want to give up their gas cars and buy a whole new car and it's like well they don't need to buy a whole new car you can just fucking drop the engine and transmission and gas tank and all that shit out and you, you know if you had a car, that's cool gulag. <laughs> or, or public transit. That was the other thing I was thinking of. Not is, gulag. Is um, you can building take public transit to the gulag. <laughs> yes, that's, that's fair. I like that. That's 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 options there. 
But one of my ideas for public transit is to just take like, like, um, like truck chassis and put them on trains and have like, you just open the door of an F-150 and get in the cab of an F-150 that's like nose to tail with another cab of an F-150 on a train. And that's your public transit. <laughs> now, maybe this is a terrible idea, but like if we have a whole bunch of F-150 bodies and not enough train cars, rather than melting them down, I don't know, why don't we just combine them somehow? I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's an um, I, idea that ignorant, stupid Americans are not going to be on board with. But counter solution, gulag. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm with that. I'm, I'm okay with the gulag. Yes. It occurs to me only in this moment how authoritarian I am when I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's, that's, that's the anarchist approach there is like, hey, you know what? We recognize our own authoritarian tendencies. Maybe we should create systems that don't require someone to be in charge. Counter-argument. I recognize my own authoritarian tendencies. Make a gulag. <laughs> yes. All of my ideas are good. Everyone should should follow what I have to say. <laughs> Bryant understands. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. 100%. Anarcho-Bidenism. <laughs> Capitalism is completely bad. Also, it is just exploitation, but with competition. Pretty much. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, I don't know. Did we have anything else to... Because I am fucking reeling from that shit. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think this is a good. We'll we'll cut it just to, just before this. Um, but um, I, I know we have so much we're, more yelling to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to get off, and uh, I got to start dinner. It's very late. Well, that sounds um, like a very personal thing that I did not need to hear. But yeah, you, you have fun getting off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've got you. that that bottle of Malort. Just have that for dinner. Yeah, yeah no, I can't wait. Uh, since you've got that bottle of Malort, I don't know, fuck yourself. <laughs> well, um, so I think the I think the intro we did talk about how, how we might talk about the leftist infighting thing, we it may be worth like jumping on to another session uh, yeah. at some point and just like having that discussion. Um, I hear you. Instead of together. discussing leftist infighting, we provide <laughs> examples. <laughs> yes. When we go to work, we check our hard-won rights at the door, and your employers rule over you night and day. With the last words on my lips, I am a revolutionary. All right. Welcome back to Cars and Comrades. We had to take a short break because uh, we needed to jump off and so it's a few weeks later and we're gonna finish the conversation that we promised from the beginning which we wouldn't be doing if we hadn't promised from the beginning we definitely wouldn't have this conversation but we mentioned it I on mean, recording i can't can't cut it all out you can so. edit that out well that hasn't been released yet <laughs> i know it'd be a little bit much <laughs> so you know we'll, we'll finish up our conversation uh but in addition to Brandon and Bryant with me. Uh, we have Zach with us this week. So, you know, Hello. halfway through the episode, but Zach's joining us. <laughs> I'm here. I just walked in in the middle of the recording that happened three weeks ago. 
Uh, so, uh, anyway, the, the topic here, we're, we're kind of just going to have a little bit of a discussion that hopefully doesn't evolve into uh, any leftist infighting, but we're going to talk about leftist infighting. <laughs> so, I just sure it'll go we're well. We're not actually going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We're off, to, we're off to a great start. <laughs> I think this is a terrible start. <laughs> well, you know, th- so the reason I bring it up um, is because, one... I am like terminally online, um, partially because I do a lot of the show social media. So I'm like trapped online, which, you know, so I have to see a lot of the stupid bullshit and I'm just like, God damn, it's just, uh, it's demoralizing. So, you know, I find it helps to hear from other people sometimes that not everyone agrees with you and they're probably not all paid by the CIA, you know, so not Are everyone. you saying that possibly Lennon did do something wrong? I'm I missed solid. Damn it! <laughs> Hold on, we, we we'll edit that out. Go ahead, and say it again. Okay, tell me tell me when we start. I'm gonna make this sound very natural and organic. I have to because you know I'm an. I'm in the film industry now, so I gotta be good at acting. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hold on. Hold on. God damn it! I I said something and then uh, I don't know something about leftists and fighting. We all said something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Okay, so leftist infighting, right? Yeah. That's the topic? Yep. Um, Leftist infighting, correct. I was going to say, you know, I'm not sure which group fights more uh, and splits more uh, Christians or leftists. Because, like... Ooh, that's tough. I was going to say leftists, but then... There's a lot of different denominations of Christianity, so... Yeah. Yeah, but that took a long time. Leftists have done all of this in, like, 150 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, I don't know, who who uh, who wins the prize for fighting over the dumbest shit, though? Like, Mormon. is it... <laughs> I think it's Christians, for sure. Like, like, does this juice or wine or whatever actually turn into the real blood of Christ? Are are all Catholics vampires? <laughs> oh, there's been Christian infighting for way dumber shit than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up in churches, and I had people come into the church that I attended as a child and uh, and realize that, that we used chairs instead of pews, and they're like, oh, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, you folding chairs in the house of the Lord? Get out of here. Uh, I have right. something. It, it, I don't know if it beats that or is just depressing. <laughs> Either way, I'm glad to hear it. The church my mom went to, um, the deacon was having an affair with a lady in the congregation mm-hmm. and tried to and murdered her husband. Oh, oh wow. Jesus. Wow. Like yeah, a yeah. good Christian. Someone Just like King else. David. Or was <laughs> it Solomon? Like, they tried to frame somebody or something, and there was like... Because they were trying to get insurance money. Oh, my God. Wow. But they're in a church that's cool with divorce. So, like... So, wait, did they hit, like, were, every deadly sin? easier ways. What's that? Did they hit all seven of the deadly sins? They must have. I don't know what all seven of the deadly sins are, so I, I don't know. They 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 probably hit most few. of them. Yeah. The only way I can remember it is that movie with Ed Norton. 
Brad Pitt. Yeah, I think it was just called Seven. Yeah, yeah it's oh, a pretty yeah. good movie. Yeah, I don't think it's the what's in the box. Movie. Yes. Anyways, Wait, are, we, uh, are we recording? <laughs> we are recording. <laughs> is, this, is this part of the podcast? <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about? So, leftist infighting. Is it good? Is it bad? Um, yeah, see, I think I'm it's, gonna say, it's the type that matters. Yeah. I'm going to say it's fine to disagree, but, like, if you get to the point where you're, like, telling someone to go fuck off and die, like, maybe maybe take, take a step back and, like, think about what you're... Where, what brought you to this point? Like, I don't know. I see no it, reason to tell another leftist to fuck off and die when I can just calmly send them to the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, generally speaking, like, like, let's say, like, I am a DSA member and I don't agree with every policy that the DSA has, but I'm willing to work within it. Um, and like, I haven't really looked into joining any other leftist orgs. Like, I do respect a lot of the work that PSL does. Like, I don't necessarily agree with all of their principles and everything. Um, which is why I haven't joined them. But like, let's say they became the more preeminent socialist org in the US and they were doing, you know, big transformative things. I would be like, okay, I'm on board with you guys. You know, can I join if I believe these things? You know, can I work with you guys? I, you know, I, I agree to disagree on these things, but like, I, I, what you're doing is good. You know, let's get on board with it. So like, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't, like I have my own opinions on things and I'm willing to argue with folks, but like as long as we can work together and do something bigger, uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. I'm not too yeah, picky I'm, about I'm, that. I'm cool with working alongside anyone so long as they agree to, to give me their unwavering support no matter what my decision <laughs> <are>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes down to like the brass tacks of it, like leftists are just out organized on every single front that there is like, yeah, everyone is better organized than we are and from the far right to the center left. You know, if you would even call them center left, fairness, those, those positions tend to be well financed as to where the only money going into the left is to like discredit it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a completely fair point. But like I, I think we're not doing ourselves any favors by letting petty shit, you know, create more fractures and factions within the broader left. Maybe that's yeah. a little rosy way to look at it, but you know, when there's such a small movement already on the left, it's it's hard to, you know, pick little battles and just fight and die on these stupid little hills. Yeah, um, yeah, I, we're just getting out organized like crazy. I think part of it is there. There is kind of a desire. Like I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but like sometimes I want to argue these these ideological battles because it's helpful for me to understand my positions and understand critiques of it. It's like there's learning to be done, and I crave like having my ideas tested, but I can't argue with a right winger or a liberal because they're, yeah, they're right. just like it's like I'm speaking a different language. So I think Absolutely. a lot of part of the problem is that like leftists are relegated to only argue amongst themselves. And so they do. Um, I yeah. think that is a part of it, you know, because again, 
Yeah, it's just like, can you, you know, when you argue with like a liberal and you're just like, okay, all right, I guess we can't have this debate until, you know, here's all the historical examples of this. Oh, here's how that's not true. You're starting at like socialism 101 for every single conversation. And then you're never going to get into, you know, the exact critique of whether or not, you know, all history is necessarily the history of class struggle or whatever the debate is you know yeah there's a debate over that i you know what i i actually don't know i was just trying to pick something that seemed that isn't debated very often i guess something that's so obviously correct that if someone were to argue against it it's just like please get out of my movement and start your own separate thing (laughs) jesus yeah yeah pretty much and i think I think to a certain extent, that's really healthy, actually. Uh, yeah. Like, there's a very small subset of people who have looked at all of the same information and just come to different conclusions rather than people who refuse to even give these thoughts, you know, a second look. So to have different conclusions come to from the same information, yeah, you need to take those conclusions and compare with each other. That's great. I think that's really helpful for us as leftists individually and all together collectively as a movement to work through these ideas and kind of bounce them off one another. I think when it comes down to like pushing people away is when it becomes, uh, you know, even that has a a limit, I guess, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that, and that's what I Like I I said, I think there's... Yeah. But, like, sometimes people just take positions that you can't agree with. The other day, I heard someone support the policies of Khrushchev, and now I'm wanted <laughs> for murder. Like, what did you do? <laughs> I do? I do like all of his PR photos with corn. That, that's very amusing to me. Like, that dude was just real happy about corn. I didn't know. Uh, brain what? production. A conversation we on the left <laughs> finally have. Yeah, he, Khrushchev was all about new metal, like forty years before it became a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got his start in politics, uh, uh, roading for Limp Biscuit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I, I, I think yeah, it's it's good to have these discussions, like. Because, like, when I first got into the DSA, I was a baby lib. And, like, I, I don't think they're still doing this, uh, but they were doing uh, what they called Socialist Night School, which was, like, you know, just these little lessons that someone would put on about whatever interest or topic that they had. And one of them was, like, police abolition or prison abolition and that sort of thing. And, like, back then when I was going into it, I'm like, how would you abolish the the police and the and the prisons? Like, where are we going to lock up all the rapists and murderers and stuff? And then by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I'm down with this. Like, yes, we need to, you know, radically transform the way we do justice and, uh, and and you know, make a clean break with the past in this regard. So, yeah, and I feel like everyone's at a different point in their ideological journey. Yeah, I guess um, one thing, I forgot uh, who said this, but, like, if I can put on my tinfoil hat for a second, like, I wonder how 
much leftist infighting is the result of like uh, right wing infiltration or like law enforcement infiltration, just wreckers trying to fuck things up, you know, because like mean, more than zero percent. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Cause like, that's like, I, I think there was like some CIA handbook on like infiltration and like disruption that was leaked, you know, or, or released in a redacted form several years ago. And like all, all the steps are like, um, you know, start pointless discussions about bullshit, you know, make, um, make long speeches about nothing, uh, you know, make uh, procedural disputes about like uh, parliamentary issues and you know try to draw out that as long as possible without actually getting anything done and like i don't know i i've seen some of that kind of thing happen in dsa meetings where it's like no we have because of robert's rules of orders we got to do this thing and it's like at the one point i'm like okay sure if, if you're you just want to be orderly and get things done the right way or whatever okay fine but also like this seems like kind of a waste of time to me sometimes, you know, like how, how can we like make things a little bit more streamlined? So it's not just all parliamentary bullshit. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. <laughs> maybe PSL does that better. I don't know. Maybe I know right in. If you... I know the exact thing you're talking about the, um, that CIA, you know, whatever, here's this guide on how to disrupt these movements. And a part of me putting my tinfoil hat on for a minute, can't help but wonder did, did they leak that and just like they don't actually do it but they leaked it so that everyone would accuse each other of doing that because if that's what they wanted to do Damn. it's very successful operation because that's what i see on twitter is everyone they're, uh, they're a cia op and it's like no they're not they disagree yeah. with you on a point get over it they're not okay maybe they're funded by the cia but yeah, maybe it seems if they wanted us to believe that though they certainly found a good way to do it. Just saying. Yeah. So, yeah, that gets thrown around so much, though. Way too much. Like, way oh too my much. God. Every little yeah. disagreement. It's like, you're CIA. You're CIA. You're CIA. It's like, Jesus Christ, is everyone? It's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been on Reddit, but it's like the old Reddit thing. Everyone on Reddit is a bot except you. It's like everyone yeah. on left Twitter is CIA except you. Exactly. You're the you're only like, one. Maybe they just yeah. disagree with you on something. Like maybe yeah. they came to a different conclusion, or maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're just like they're not as educated. <laughs> they're not all CIA, and they're not all grifters. That's another one I see thrown around oh, way yeah. too much. You're like, okay, oh, they get paid for it, and it's like, yeah, they have a job. Do you have a job? <laughs> Do you get paid for? Oh, wow, interesting. You know, some of it is just it feels ridiculous at times. Again, some good debates are, are worthwhile and then there's like left twitter and gets bad it's just like you know i i feel like people just need to take a chill pill sometimes yeah i think it's really funny when uh you know anders lee from uh the um pod damn america podcast he gets in like arguments with liberals and he's like i am literally paid by the russian government <laughs> So like, <laughs> that's I just put my cards out on the table there, you know, <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> so, I, I'm of two minds specifically on the idea that uh, you know, uh, are on this debate because on the one hand, it does seem somewhat absurd to credit like any almost any degree of leftist infighting to FBI, CIA, police, whatever. 
it kind of seems like we're good enough at fighting with each other on our own that they don't really need to be involved. But leftist infighting definitely goes back uh, to the beginning of oh, leftism yeah. in the modern sense. Yeah. And it's not yeah. really that hard to look at documents from, uh, you know, the entirety of the 20th century and see that the whole time they have been infiltrating leftist organizations and causing problems and disrupting things. And like the most, the best example I can think of is, is it, it was, it was either in the San Francisco or Oakland chapter of the black Panthers. There was a very early member, like not a founding member, but somebody who was, was with the organization almost from the beginning for years. And he was a fucking, like he was a plant from the police. Uh, he, I, I forget what role he played, but like, you know, he got people arrested and or killed because he was working for the cops. And that was real. They were, they yeah. were absolutely 100% doing that. And some of them were people that you would never think would be like a, a CIA operative or, or FBI or anybody. So they're a hundred percent have a history of doing it. And I, I wonder the extent to which we overreact because of a historical analysis of it versus underreact because you, you kind of can't see the forest for the trees in like the immediate present. And I don't have a good solution to that. It's very difficult. But if I had to make a, a claim right now, I would say uh, we're probably fine because I don't think anyone on the left is doing any serious enough organizing that it really needs subverted that aggressively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's good to have a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, healthy skepticism or healthy uh, paranoia maybe like, but just don't let it consume you or get in your way of doing, you know, the movement. Like, I don't know what well, the balance the is there, but like, I think that's like the way you get around is like, okay, well they've infiltrated these movements. Don't, you know, it, when you start giving into the bait, that's when there's a problem, though. Like, if they're there to yeah. cause problems and they successfully do it, you know, it's it's partially, like, just... And, and I think there's a lot of that online. Because there's, like, oh, I'm going to start this argument for no reason. You're like, why? Just, like, why? You know, it, it seems silly. And, and everyone gets on board and, like, okay, they're going to have this fight. And you're like, but it's not actually important. You see this a lot with, like... Um, people like this YouTuber or that YouTuber and they're having a beef. So their quote unquote followers have a fight and you're just like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't follow people like that. Like let's think for ourselves. I listen to tons of people who have had bad takes. I just don't like those takes. I don't, I'm not like, Oh, I ignore tons of people. That who bad take is... Yeah, there you go. That's, that's just life. You like who you like and whatever. They're not all, yeah. Drifters. They're not all CIA funded and you don't have to go to war on behalf of your preferred YouTuber or internet show or Twitter account. It's just silly. Just yeah. play off. Just don't you don't have what to get the, into that fight. What, what happened to No Gods No Masters? Yeah. Is, exactly. This fucking YouTuber your master now? You gonna go fucking beef on Twitter yes. because they're beefing on YouTube? What's dude, get the get something else to fucking do anything yeah literally 
read a book, touch 100%. yourself, watch a movie. I don't care. Don't fucking. That's the worst way to spend your time. Like it's ridiculous. No, it does often feel like it's almost like their fans turn into their employees in some ways, and it's like, hey, you're doing this for free. Like just no, just, <laughs> yeah. they're having a beef. Just let them work it out. Just, you don't need to be there. You can listen yeah. to their show and then also listen to a different show. You, you don't have to be involved in their weird internet battles. Because, again, it just creates a hostile environment. And, and I'm not sure if everyone wants to admit it, but most people, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mistaken, but I feel like most of us get to socialist ideas from the internet somehow. And so when you're introductory experience is seeing the the fighting it's not it's not a good look like that's where a lot of our recruiting is done more so than maybe we want but like that's just the reality that's how the internet is today that's our our modern society it's online and so the see now i've heard that a lot of people get leftist ideas because they're teaching marxism to elementary school students (laughs) (laughs) well it it could be that but let's let's be more it's probably from the internet more so than their teachers make making sure they read the communist manifesto and write book reports like yo i met the other day and he started talking to me about Lenin coats and i'm like yo what's up I, I was walking by a kindergarten the other day, and they were making kids share. Sounds like Marxism to me. Yeah, it's a slippery, slippery slope there. <laughs> and then one kid wouldn't share, so they put him in the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did put him up against the wall, but that was just timeout. That... Yeah, well, yeah, I would call the timeout <laughs> area the gulag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, now, if I were a kindergarten teacher, I would definitely put kids in punishment by saying, alright, up against the wall. <laughs> Give him a little blindfold and a little cigarette. Give <laughs> me <laughs> cigarette. Oh my god. And if anybody was wondering why I'm not an elementary school teacher. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, <laughs> so did we figure it out? I feel like Leftist we did. Infighting? It's solved. Take a it's, take it's a fucking solved. chill pill. Go outside. Yeah, don't don't make us look don't make us look bad Touch online. Grass. Grass. If you're having a disagreement, you know, build yeah. a car. There you go. Go go do some hood rat shit with your friends. Go rip yeah. donuts. Way more fun. Sack. Do do burnouts. In a parking lot, way better use of your time. Yeah, that's very fun. Do that. That, that reminds me of how uh, oh, I might have to find the news article here. Sorry, go ahead. I'm I'm just looking for something here. To pretty much put put a bow tie on this uh, conversation here, um, I'd like to uh, finish it off by letting any other podcasts know that we are in fact open to leftist infighting uh, for the purposes of making a spectacle and growing our audience. So you know. If you, if you'd like to create a, a, an, a fictional beef, get at us. It doesn't have to be fictional, I guess. I'm open to leftist infighting, but I don't want to do it online. Show up at my house, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a leftist. We, sh- we really should have, like, uh, you know, by city or something, leftist, like, 
boxing clubs or something. I feel like that would be cool. We should look into that. Oh, good. Yeah. Connor's trying to start a fight club. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't <laughs> think about that parallel. I mean, they did end with targeting like banks and stuff, which was pretty dope. So, yeah, that was some I mean, good direct action. It. That was that was like yeah. the definition of direct action. Yeah. Allegedly parody. I, so, yeah, I, we, I mean, we, uh, yeah, leftists are fighting good. I, I definitely will not make any actionable threats against credit card companies in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> but to help like, bring what happened in that movie? Podcast, I will only bring actionable threats against credit card companies in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking the focus off me, Brandon. <laughs> Delaware doesn't have a sales tax, so what we need to do is focus on burning banks to the ground. Indeed. There, there was no connection there. I just, two separate facts. <laughs> oh, did you hear that guy from Whitest Kids You Know died? Trevor Moore? Whoa. The guy that said uh, it is definitely illegal to go on TV and say, I want to kill the president. Yeah, just yesterday. He was like 40. That's crazy. I liked yeah. that show. What show? Did, did someone not like him advocating for killing the president? Uh, no, it said an accident at home. I'm not really sure what that means. Or an accident. I think it just said an accident. He mysteriously shot himself in the back of the head three times. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kidding. To my knowledge, he wasn't a leftist, so he might have actually just had an accident. If he was a leftist, it would probably be three bullets to the back of the head. And an apparent suicide. <laughs> he had that song called Guillotine Time. That was pretty, uh, yeah. pretty good. They also had a skit where they were uh, like supposedly like middle schoolers on the back of a bus, and they were doing like rowdy middle schooler stuff. And the bus driver like just kept letting it happen, and they were like throwing firecrackers out the window and like making cars crash and stuff. And then they started talking about communism, and the <laughs> bus driver pulled over and was like, "You cut that shit out." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what uh, show was this? Or person or whatever? Uh, why does kids you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That God, that that it was, was on IFC like ten years ago or more. Yeah. Now. Huh. That's sad. But uh, something someone said reminded me of this uh, news story I saw also of uh, TikTok star Timothy Hall, aka Timbo the Redneck, dies in a trunks a truck stunt accident at age 18 so basically this florida redneck guy was doing donuts in his front yard in his lifted pickup with no seat belt on uh flipped it over and died uh so yeah i don't know i don't know maybe we should cut that part out i just rem thought about that <laughs> remember <laughs> remember when you do donuts in your front yard to wear a seat belt <laughs> Yes. We're good. <laughs> Remember when you do donuts in your own front yard, be hammered so that you loosen up your body and you survive the accident. Yeah. I, I think this guy had a bunch of like Confederate flags and stuff. Yeah, he was an his, asshole. Uh, yeah, he was a douchebag. Uh, yeah, he was an I'm going to criticize him for being a piece of shit and not for dying doing a thing that I have done on numerous occasions recently. <laughs> Thank you.
all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. To Jay-Z and no shit. How then does the capitalist make profit and end up with more value than they started with? Well, the way they do that is by paying workers just enough so that they are able to buy the things they need to survive and go to work each day, but by getting them to produce more value than what they are being paid for. The extra value that workers produce is called surplus value, and capitalists make profit by taking that surplus value for themselves. Granny shift and not double clutching like you should. You're lucky that 100 shot of Nas didn't blow the welds on the intake. And when the boss decides to fire you, there's no due process. Like a feudal lord, he can fire and punish workers at will. In practice, American workplaces are like private governments, where the freedoms we associate with democracy don't exist. When we clock in, we, we become subjects, not citizens. What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.